500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds G'day everyone, and for those who have come in late, you're listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. My name's Dan Fraser, and um, I'm proud to introduce you to the first in what should be a couple of, I guess, uh, summer series of Expand Podcasts, while we take a little bit of a, uh, a Christmas and New Year vacation from from new podcasts and bring you a couple that we've had in the vault for a little while. The one that you're listening today, episode 107, I think we're doing, is uh, a recording of a phantom panel from Brisbane Supernova, which I was lucky enough to be able to record uh, back on the 10th of November. It, it's an interesting panel discussion because it was all about the phantom, and uh, I think the topic was the phantom, is he still relevant and popular in Australia, or why is he still relevant and popular in Australia? And there are four people on the panel, and only one of the people on the panel had any phantom experience, which was interesting to say the least. Tom Taylor and Ryan Lindsay and Dean Rankin, all fantastic writers and really established and well-credentialed in their own rights, but none of whom have ever had anything to do with the Phantom creatively. Dean Rankin, I think, uh, as you'll hear, establishes the fact that he has certainly read the comics and is and was or, or is a fan uh, but Jamie Johnson, uh, cover artist for Fru, and uh, has done one for Hermes Press and, and most recently Lightning Strikes, is probably the only person who actually brings real phantom experience to the conversation. Um, as you'll hear about 15 minutes in, inadvertently, and I certainly didn't go there with any intention, but uh, Tom Taylor was nice enough uh, when I responded to a comment, as you'll hear, um, he sort of realised that I... May have may have brought more uh, knowledge of the Phantom to the room than than he had, and so was nice enough to swap seats with me, and uh, and I end up somehow up on stage, uh, which was a it was a phenomenal experience. And um, my son Angus, who many of you would be familiar with, uh, long term listeners would have heard him reviewing Kid Phantom stories and going to the Phantom Art Show and that sort of thing with me. Um, so suddenly there's a nine year old boy up on the uh, on the panel as well, and he caught. Uh, he fielded a couple of questions as well, which was nice. And uh, certainly thank everyone at Brisbane Supernova and, and all of the panellists for being as accommodating as they were to have us all up there. So uh, really interesting chat. It was uh, fascinating to hear. Uh, you know, the room was full of Phantom fans, which was fantastic. There was probably 40 to 50 people in attendance. And because it was advertised as a Phantom panel, um, they were all fans who are keen to talk phantom and uh, uh despite perhaps what the moderator thought going in there the phantom is more popular and is more relevant than uh than some people might expect but anyway uh, it was it was a really interesting chat, and I hope you get a lot out of it. One thing I will ask you to keep an ear out for is uh, the comments that come from Jo, one of the second or third last questioners off the top of my head. I thought what she had to say was was really pertinent, and really important, and really and really powerful for for this Phantom fan listening and and reminding myself about why why the character is is so relevant and. Uh, popular maybe who knows but relevant certainly popular for us for for you if you're listening and for, and for me as uh, as i sit here in my skull cave um one thing i must say as i as i sit in the editing room the skull cave uh the the sound quality perhaps of this podcast i know that we're not known for our sound quality this one is not one of our best uh, recording in a panel in in a massive room with people who are holding microphones at various distance away from their faces and um you know uh, look i'm sorry it is what it is i've done the very best that i can with the uh, with the sound quality uh, you may have to go up and down a little bit on your volume dial i apologize for that i hope it's worth it um, because it is a bit of an interesting conversation so 
Um, anyway, um, I've prattled enough for now. Um, thank you very much for, for listening. Thank you very much to our Patreons who continue to support the podcast. And uh, if you're keen on helping us out with that, just uh, head on over to uh, patreon.com backslash chronicle chamber. We really appreciate all of the support that you guys who, who get involved there give us. And um, other than that, for now, we hope you enjoyed this edition, shorter edition of of uh, Expand the Phantom Podcast. We'll panel with uh, comic authors. Sit down. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, sorry. Uh, sorry. Where's Roy? It's all, it's all focused on you. <laughs> um, well, we're going to start off talking about the Phantom, obviously, but we're not going to stick to the Phantom the whole way. But if you have any questions at all, be they Phantom-related or otherwise, uh, perhaps even uh, focused on the works of uh, some of the people who don't work on the Phantom, which is just the majority the of the yeah. Seventy five percent of the panel. Um, just having a great time uh, thinking about how, how great this panel's going to work out. Um, but we'll start off talking about the Phantom, and we'll start with Jamie because Jamie, can we introduce ourselves? Yeah, so let's actually let's do that. Let's go down. Start, start with Jenny and we'll talk with uh, talk about everything that you've not well man, not everything for some of us that's a huge list. Um, uh, what you've been working on most recently? Uh, well, I'm pretty much exclusively working on the Phantom. Hey! Um, yeah, I mainly cover work uh, for um, Fruit Publications, uh, Hermes Press, and I'll have another cover coming out for the Irish publisher Lightning Strike uh, in about a month. So cool. So hi, my name is Dean Rankin, and I'm a comic book artist and writer, and I've worked on The Simpsons, Futurama, uh, Rick and Morty, uh, Mad Magazine, um, Scotty Young's I Hate Fairyland, um, and I have a sort of creator-owned thing called Itty Bitty Bones and Rainbow Tricks Candyland, um, and all the stuff. Cool. Not to mention Dino, for those who are British, I don't know. Oh, yeah, Dino. No, 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 no,
um, fan tongs. I don't know if that works. Um, <laughs> uh, with, uh, with people who are, um, uh, I guess, cognizant and uh, fans of other uh, comics. Um, I find that Phantom uh, fans tend to be very, um, well, we might not be the biggest group, but they're the, probably the most fanatical. Everyone has what's called, or, or most fans would have what's called their Phantom Cave, where they have just a man cave just full of anything that has the Phantom. Uh, and I mean, I know that Dan and a few others I see in the audience would have a great collection of an, an array, not just comics, but memorabilia or, um, I mean, you name it, they'll have it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, a lot of people reach out to me uh, via email and, and very kind of keep it very low key. They don't tend to come to the big events unless, I guess, through publications is kind of you know putting on the big spread and it's kind of everyone makes that um, the pilgrimage. But um, look, I, I have uh, people you know uh, wanting mainstream stuff, but most of the majority of what I do is phantom, so that's what I'm ready for and that's what I'm mostly exposed to and. I will say that if, as soon as I put something up for sale, I get snapped up. So I guess there's still fans out there because it's keeping food on my table. So <laughs> it's good, yeah. Can I bring up an issue that I have? <laughs> Political. <laughs> this, is, this is bound to happen. I'm just going to jump in the audience. This is no disrespect to the fans and more Venom fans, but if, if people disagree with me, please put your hand up. I'd love to have a discussion. It concerns me the representation of minority groups in the Phantom. Okay, that it's, so the Phantom, like I so said, it's a white guy who goes to Africa and the local African people see him as a god because he keeps coming back, he doesn't, he doesn't die. And it's almost like, you know, it's like they're kind of, like, it worries me that they're the backward people and he's the one that is like that kind of white saviour complex that he's come to to save them. Does anybody else, is it, did everyone really disagree with that? No, really. Or does yes. everyone agree with that? It's not, it's, I agree. You agree. So, and I, it, it is something that I struggle with, and I think, so I see, I love the Phantom, and I've read the Phantom before, but as a child, but now as an adult, I look at it and go, oh, that's, that's kind of, a, it is an, it's an issue. And I think, and if you look back at something like, say, even like, say, Captain America, for instance, you look back at the representation of other cultural groups, and it's not great, right? You, you like, okay, well, he's punching Nazis, but also it's a representation of the Japanese during the war and those type of things, right? But the difference, I think, with something like Captain America, that it's continued on the character and he's evolved and things have changed. But there's something about the Phantom, which I think is something that's really cool about the Phantom, but something not so cool, is that it's relies so heavily on reprints. Mm that as a character, he's kind of always said in the thought, whatever it is that he's actually from. Is that when he's, is it set? I mean, if it's, because if it's supposed to be set now, it doesn't feel like it's set now. Okay, can I jump in? Yeah, please, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I think, it's kind of a dark place. We'll put it this way, he was the first costume hero. So he was predating Superman, Batman, and all the amazing things that Tom Taylor's worked on. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but it, it is definitely a, a product of that time. And it's kind of that, I, I get what you're saying, because I read it when I was younger and I was, you know, kind of drawing these stories. And you, don't, you don't really, you don't really you think, think, you don't think about it. No, no. adventurous and how cool is he? And, 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 and stuff like that. You know? I mean, me as a white male, I don't identify as the phantom. I'm not the, the guy. Like, and I get it. The phantom could be black. It's more about what he stands for. He's a moralistic character. He doesn't kill. He uses guns, but only to disarm. Kind of like Batman, which I, I was, when I was growing up, it was always Batman and the phantom, because they were self-made men you know, with that drive to kind of fight evil and injustice and um, using only their wits and their skill and their, I mean, Batman's so, you know, well-known, you know. Everyone that knows the Phantom is probably, you know, some of the best people I know because they follow that moral code. And actually, they pass it down to their children. I mean, I've called out to Dan before. He's got his son here. There's now the Kid Phantom, which they're trying to reinvigorate, um, yeah, um, you know. Queensland Paul Mason. Paul Mason, yeah. yeah concert, great, great series. Yeah. Um, but, look, I understand the, the reprint aspect of it and that if that's all you're exposed to, if you're not a fan of the Phantom and you don't collect... Yeah, so there are... Scandinavia is basically... In Sweden, they've got a whole line that just... 
deviated from when Lee Falk had it, and then they basically, this, there's two camps, there's the Falkists and there's the modernists. Yeah, but what yeah. they've done is they've tried to drive that forward, and they try to erase those kind of stereotypes as well. Um, through now are actually in the process of um, injecting new stories. So the license that they had didn't actually allow for them to create new products. So they were stuck kind of doing these reprints and, and just stuck with whatever was coming out of Scandinavia, you know, just the... the um, got translated stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think there is a point to that, but I think it's also being addressed in the modern um, storyline. Mm -hmm. There are other countries that have basically taken their own, um, you know, they've taken it in a different direction. They haven't started from that, they've rebooted it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I see your point, and I don't disagree with it. Um, I think the Phantom could have been anyone. He just happened to wash up on the beach. And they took him in, and because of that because whole... Because we did ice and African, but obviously he marries a white woman, it just happens to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, you know, oh, I have white sons, and, you know... It's... But he's educated in America, and he still keeps that some kind of custom alive, and it's the father and the son. And I think if you kind of put it through that prism, it kind of pigeonholes it, and yet anything can be looked at. If you're looking for something wrong, you'll find it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't want to think... Suggest that I, I just like it all. Yeah, it's like a character. I just, it's, um, but it seems to be, I think because the reprint has been sort of stunted within the time frame. And again, you look back at all the other superheroes, there's all kinds of problems with representation. Yeah. Uh, you know, how women are represented throughout, all this kind of stuff. But they've been able to. Um, That's correct. Yeah, you go, oh, geez, this is let's go over here and let's try and fix this. It's taken a while longer, but I feel like the fandom is in the middle of a course correction. I think is, it's, is it currently uh, set in like the 2000s and now? Well, it depends. It's got it is kind of it is set in modern time now. Yeah. The new stories, but you find that they've. He's got 400 years and 21 generations of ancestors, and so a lot of the... 400 years? He's he looks great for He looks amazing. <laughs> he's a ghost, and he walks. Yeah, he walks. Um, but no, so that Sometimes he runs, and sometimes he is a ghost who runs a horse occasionally. Look, for longevity purposes, for that you know, core group of fans, if you're reading the same thing over and over again, it can get very tiresome, I understand, but you've got 400 years of 21 ancestors that you can go back and you can go, you know, Jack the Ripper era, you can go, you know, the Victorian... Which, oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you yeah, actually can yeah. pick and choose and you can find it from a different angle. Jason Paulos is another Aussie creator and they're doing... Um, Chicken Paul, yeah, yeah. And Chris Sequeira and they're doing uh, Phantom by Gaslight. Yeah. And that's the Jack the Ripper era and that's taking a really, like, a Victorian spin on it and it just gives it a different angle, you know, but... Yeah, that's that's not really addressing what you were saying, but it's it's kind of to the relevance of it today. I think that's they've identified that. Yeah, because it needs to be fixed. There's you can yeah, absolutely. And there's no there's no uh, future in it if you can't bring in those younger readers. And those younger readers aren't going to be attracted to that older style. So yeah. that's where you've got the Paul Masons and the Jason Paulos, and hopefully when I do my cover art and things like that, that I try and draw in those younger readers with the more modern stuff. Yeah. I think one of the benefits, I think, of the fan, why, one of the reasons why I think it's so popular within Australia is that it's still sold through news agents. Yeah. Like, you can, there's, like, so many, I, I worry about comics to the future because there's no, for me, and I, I would imagine if you do, like, the, the gateway drug was to go through, the, and also Tom, yeah, yeah, I, I, I sat down and was joking, yeah. and I started watching, <laughs> that, that, the, like, old, old so they were cartoons, and I would go to the news agents to pick up comics. But now you have to basically go to specialist mm. shops to buy them. But the, the fan would be something that can. Mm. You know, oh, yeah, I mean, when you don't, you know, I'm like, so look, look, there's the phantom. I'll look it up. Yeah. That's oh, really killed the conversation. No, I think that's the demon I think that's the, the thorniest uh, phantom issue, and it's great that that's been the one we've focused <laughs> on. Coming out of the way now. Yeah. Um, do we have any questions or, or comments, comments from the, yeah. the audience? Thank you. Yes. Uh, we'll start over here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Uh, so I used to comment on, on your point there about the, being stuck in the past. Um, the phantoms, actually, the newspaper strip has got an 83-year continuity. And what's happened across those 80-odd years is that the, the morals, which Damien was talking about, have progressed. And the, the racist stereotypes, which were, were there in the beginning and, and um, those first 10, 15 years of the fandom, I think they've gradually disappeared as, as Fork um, matured and got a better worldview. And uh, certainly since Tony DePaul has taken over uh, about 15, 16 years ago, 
nearly 20 years ago. Um, he's really moved the strip um, forward as well. And the, the most current story, which just finished yesterday, actually, the Daily Story in the newspapers, um, really fights hard against those sorts of uh, stereotypes <coughs> and tropes yeah, as well. Yeah. So it's a, it's a much more... Much more I borrow you for a second? From me? Uh, Dan. Dan, Dan right. Right. Oh, okay, good, yeah. Um, so, go on, I think we should be asking. Yeah. So, I should just say, I'm just very, very quickly. For me, this is like, it's like one of those panels where you show up to watch five dudes who are on a How to Write Women in Comics panel, and it's borderline insulting for fans. So, I feel you know far more than me, and I shouldn't be there. You take it away. Maybe and I will five minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we make, have, make sure they good questions. Yeah. No, so the, the point I was making, I guess, is that it, it, um, it, even Lee Falk was probably 10 or 15 years ahead of the, the global trends of where um, morality was. And so while in the early days the Phantom was worshipped as a god and, and seen as the lord of the jungle, um, that hasn't been the case for probably 50, 60 years and he's now really more a friend of the jungle. And while people do still, the, the, the jungle people do, and pirates and ne'er-do-wells all over the world see him as the ghost who walks and, and hasn't died for that 400 years, um, he's, he's really more a friend of, of the jungle people. So. Well, it took it probably took fifteen or twenty years before Lee Falk finally decided where it was going to be. Oh, it was just a jungle. Yeah, yeah, like, that's right. And that's why there are tigers and lions, um, which don't exist anywhere in the real world together, but they coexist. Yeah. yeah. In the Bengalan jungle. So yeah. So it did move around a lot earlier in the piece. we have a question back here. Uh, I thought it was Tom on the left. Little Tom has a question. This is Alicia. Hi guys, this is in it's sort of half question, half a statement. Um, I think the problem with the Phantom, in some ways, is mainstream merchandising. So, for example, my dad, two last, Doctor Who and the Phantom. Yeah. I can walk into a thing, I can walk into a supernova, I can walk in even, you know, occasionally Big W or a Kmart and get something Doctor Who, yes. like that. You ask anybody for a Phantom merchandising, they like, nah. Don't have it. Or it is very limited, isn't it? But yeah, that's such an iconic character that surprises me at the same time. And so I think I think that's one of the reasons why the Phantom isn't getting as popular as, in quotations, mainstream, um, is because of lack of merchandising. If you think there was more out there, do you think maybe, you know, let's say there's a little Phantom action figure and a little kid sort, do you think that would expand the popularity of the Phantom? No, I 100% agree. Um, there's, yeah. there's, there's nowhere near, as a collector and as a dad who wants to give his son a, uh, an action figure, I'd love to see more Phantom stuff out there. It's The licensing is just so tight. Um, for King Feature Syndicate, um, based in New York, It's and as an artist speaking, I do conventions and I'm very limited as to what I can actually sell. Um, you know, if it's not licensed or anything like that, uh, I'll, I'll tell anyone about the fandom who will listen, but it's kind of hard to grab attention if you can't really display your product. Um, so I do agree that there should be more um, kid-friendly and more mainstream. Uh, there are things available in Zing. I know that, that it's like a special order thing, so it's like if you come in and go, my dad loves the Phantom, they might get you a mug or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's so few and far between. Mm. I totally agree with you. Uh, but it is definitely... Um, got to do with the... It, it's the merchandising. The, the, they, the uh, sorry, the, um, the, the licensing. They charge a lot um, to, to establish a, um, 
any sort of merchandise in the first instance. And uh, it's it's so a bit about Dan. He actually is one third of a um, podcast trio, and uh, what would you say, Phantom historians? Uh, uh, oh, we run a website. Run a website <laughs> called the Chronicle Chamber. Again, Tom, um, you're right to put it up. Correct. I work that out straight away. <laughs> within the Phantom community, they they run a you know a, a very regular podcast. They update their websites and Facebook pages and anything that kind of. Uh, even even a whiff of something, the Phantom, they're onto it straight away, and that's the thing. The hunger is there for the for the fans, but the they're not meeting you know the, those expectations. So if anything that kind of comes out, they'll kind of jump on. But it's it just it's not feeding that hunger. Yeah, Tom. So the license holder, um, it just, why why are they holding onto it that, that <laughs> like is it is it the, is it is it being kept in trust? Is it one particular family? Is it Fox? Is it uh, no, well, it's it's actually Hearst whole owned by Hearst Corporation, um, yeah. which is uh, Randolph Hearst, he, and uh, that that company. So, look, I I don't know. It, to me, it would seem like a smart business decision to relax it a little bit so that you sell a lot more. Yeah. Um, but they they really try to get every cent that they can out of it, and I guess this is the business model that they see as being really really tight. So, if anything, Phantom is sold around the world, they get a cut of it. Um, you know, rather than I guess there's lots of uh, Superman and Batman and Spider-Man drawings and figures and whatever that Marvel don't see money for. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's their way of, of making sure they get it. If you walk down Artist Alley, you'll see 101 vendors with you know knockoff or fan art of the Phantom. They'll send. Uh, I have one by the way. I'm a Phantom one if you want to come see. Of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in 12 holes. No, no. But, but what I'm saying is, they tend to look the other way. Whereas a company that doesn't have the the spotlight or the, the profile of a Marvel or a DC, they shouldn't be shooting themselves in the foot mm. by you know limiting what gets out there. If mm. anything, that's publicity that will drive volume, and then volume would also dictate what the you know the demand is, and that's mm. where the merchandise and the other things mm. like that would come into it. So, do you remember the cartoon, the animated cartoon, had this band film and the band the Defenders of the Earth? It was yeah, yeah. and the Mandrake, yeah. Yeah. Flash, Flash Gordon, Gordon. and Lothar. Sand and sand illusion. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think the last one. That was the last animated thing. Animated, yeah. Twenty Forty. Yeah, yeah. Um, Twenty Forty was in the early nineties, and that one's in the eighties. Uh, mm-hmm. okay. yeah. But nothing since then. Uh, Dan, what's your son's name? Yeah. Angus. Hey, Angus. Hi, Angus. I was going to say, Angus, do you have like a favourite Phantom? Thing. You've got some pins. Do you have a ring as well? Hi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's awesome. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Have you punched the way with it? Um, no. <laughs> Only if they do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whoever loses this, if we frame it as a debate, whoever loses, Angus will punch it in the face, <laughs> uh, leaving a mark that everyone will see forever. Uh, this Should is the question. to be up on the stage for that. That's quite cool, isn't it? <laughs> Your dad knows some stuff about the family. He should be here. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a question here from Haig in the back. Hey guys, I'd like to ask: uh, after hearing what you say about the surrogates, you know, what I think they should what, what they should do is possibly maybe um, retell the origin a bit, maybe give it a bit more of an upgrade, like they do with the Batman, the yeah. Supermans, and everything. That's a, that's that's a really good question. Because everything gets upgraded, updated, upgraded, up rebooted. I think, uh, I think going back to the earlier point about the, the two camps, about the modernist and the folkist, mm-hmm. I think if you kept the Lee Falk um, or the, the path that he kind of tread with those course corrections that we spoke yeah. about, yeah. Um, and then maybe just do a separate kind of line, exactly like you're saying, reboot it, have a modern, and I guess they kind of do that to some effect with uh, Kid Phantom, a little bit more yeah. energetic and cartoony style, but I think for me personally, I, I mean, I... Read. I'm pretty much Tom's demographic. I'll pretty much pick up anything that guy read. That guy writes. Thanks. Checks in the back. Uh, but what I'm saying is that's the kind of art that I gravitate gravitate towards. So I don't, while the classic stuff is great and it's a nostalgic thing for me, I like to see that modern art, which, which is what I try to inject into my phantom art as well, just to try and attract similar or like-minded people. It must be hard with something like the phantom because you're kind of like. You desperately need to appeal to the, the Phantom fans, with the PH fans, yeah. because they're the ones who the have consistently bought it over years and years and years. Yeah. You don't want to alienate them at the same time. And you don't want to go too far. You go, oh, well, and now they're not picking it up anymore. Mm. 
is, it, is there a danger for that? Oh, absolutely, there's a danger for that. But that, the, the, that generation of Phantom fans is ageing as well, of course. Right. And, um, and I know that... Uh, oh, be dead soon. Well... We don't want to send them off angry or sad, though. So, uh, look, to, to, to redo the origin would be tricky. I think that... Um, you can you can see the the origin of the phantom through uh, 2019 2018 lens and still be perfectly comfortable with it it's um because the the when he lands and he become he's rescued by the bandar the, the first phantom he's rescued by the bandar he helps them escape from their um their masters their slaves the bandar tribe initially to this tribe of giants the wasaka so he he <laughs> Um, rescues them from them, uh, and and so is their friend is is the friend of the fan, the the Bandar peoples straight away. Um, then I suppose you could tweak it a little bit so that he doesn't um, use uh, fear and um, you know the idea of the supernatural a little bit. But that is still core to the the idea of the character is having that mystique and being able to fool people. So, um, so I guess you say that the idea would be trying to a little bit. Both, but well, I mean, Batman uses fear as a commodity, as a as a tool. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. It plays on the superstition of, of hmm. bad people. We don't have to be, uh, you know, it doesn't have to have the undertones of it. <laughs> the, the, the undertones. Yeah. The thing that that would trouble me is if people thought that the Phantom was inherently um, powerful because he was white and lived in a, a jungle full of black it's people. Inconsequential. It is inconsequential and. Um, it's never made and never has been made to be a thing. It's, it's, it's looking at it now and, and seeing those colours. Um, if you want to see it, I suppose it's there, but it's not written into the it's not written into the story that can way. I, sorry, can I ask? There, there, from memory, there has been a black fan well, there's um, there's been times where a uh, black person has stepped into the costume. Yeah. Um, probably most recently was a series that was done by. Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Um, by Dynamite in um, in America over the last probably yeah. ten years, and they had um, Lothar has actually stepped into the Phantom's costume oh, okay. um, in the current story arc. That wasn't popular, though, to be honest, um, and not so much because it was him, um, it, because it wasn't Kit Walker. It could have been anyone else. In fact, there was a girl who stepped in for a little while as oh, well. Yeah, that was unpopular yeah. um, with the the PH fans because yeah. it's not Kit Walker, and and that idea of a family lineage. Is really really important. So it'll be interesting to see if and when the, you know, and I always see the newspaper strip as the canon uh, or the law of what's right uh, or real in the Phantom verse. Um, and at the moment, um, Kit and Heloise are both around that 16, 17 years old, and obviously not far away from being able to step into uh, or t- take on the skull ring themselves. And um, it'll be interesting to see which way they go in terms of will it be Kit or Heloise. Mm-hmm. We have a question in the back here from uh, Jane. Hey guys, um, so all the Marvel and DC comics have got a lot more popular since the movies have become... What? There hasn't been a Phantom movie since the Billy Zane one in the 90s. Yeah. Mm. Uh, do you reckon if they did another Phantom movie that it would sort of grow in, in popularity and you might get more merchandise? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's just getting like that greenlit, but I think it would... Uh, definitely become more accessible and I think people would start asking the question a bit more it's a little bit harder to capture someone's attention with a you know there's a lot of white noise you walk into a comic shop you walk into a news agency that's the point of when I say I do my comic art to try and do it because I've got Batman Superman and I mean Simpsons and other other things on the newsstand that you have to buy for people's you know pocket money or whoever's buying the, the comics um, it has to capture you, whereas something that's, you know, in a visual medium such as movies, it's, it's, you get to see it, you get to experience it, there's other, um, you know, the music and the effects and everything like that kind of all come together to, to draw in an audience. So it would be a lot easier, I just don't see it really happening because those people that hold that license and everything, uh, yeah, it, it's, there's been rumours about it happening, um, I almost was asked to do some storyboarding for it and it never actually came through because it once again got pulled out and yeah, it was all about the, the dose. So. I mean like even even Deadpool needed someone like a Ryan Reynolds to really who push really, it. Really, really, yeah. really pushed. Mm, and leak it yeah. online, yeah. So you need to have a high profile 
Uh, What's Billy Zane doing, really? (laughs) Where is Billy? He did did recently change his Instagram profile picture to a picture of him as the Phantom, so maybe he's trying to do something. (laughs) Joe Drisco? Oh, actually, as him? No, Billy Zane did. The Um, painting or or him as the Phantom? No, an image from the film. Okay, And we had a question from... I worry about the costume in a a film now because... It looked pretty bad in the Billy Zane one, right? In the comic, I think it looks fantastic. Wouldn't be that fantastic. That it's um, it's, it's that, like that purple contrast. But you have to go. Would you go? Like, would you go to the DC? What do you reckon? Would you go to the DC kind of thing? Or because you could make it dark, like a dark purple. Oh, or... Sorry. Oh, Sorry. Oh, like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, you couldn't. Grey mask. You can't armor him up. You can't. You can make it grey. You can. You can. You can change. It was initially supposed to be grey. He was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, the grey ghost. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. Brad, my favorite part of had a different question, but when they did the sci-fi miniseries in two thousand five, five, seven, somewhere there. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? You don't know about the Phantom, right? <laughs> yeah. They did actually armour him up for that, and I took one look at the cover. And, oh, yeah. yeah. But I found it for five bucks, so I bought it. <laughs> I think that tells me how quality that series was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I sort of went, they, they may have refined the costume more had it gone to series. Mm. Yeah. But my actual question was would, it, would any of you, obviously Jamie would, but would any of you do a fandom story if asked? Oh, it's, it's yeah, Tom Taylor. Yeah, Tom Taylor. Oh, easy. I've actually. I read a lot of Phantom when I was a kid. Yeah, I pitched a Phantom story and they didn't get back to me. Really? I would love to see Tom Taylor spin on the Phantom, actually. You want to reboot it, give it to that man. You'll punch a hole in him. Totally. Yes. Yeah. The ghost who can't walk because I've ripped out his spine. Well, we might have to talk to Fru about getting in touch with you guys. You do a Phantom story? I'd do it. I, I, I would probably want to... Remember your audience here, right? Yeah, I would do it. I'd do it. Ooh, you want only and everybody would love it. No, I, don't, I, would want to, I would want to do something that was probably far too esoteric for them and either change things or the Phantom would just be an element of the story and it would be about something else happening. It's the, it's, it was the ultimate like the on the wall. Yeah, it's the generations of what you what you get a Phantom and go, why do you want to be the Phantom? Yeah. Why do you want to just be him brooding? But you're an architect. And who thought about that? Who walks? <laughs> who walks the architect? But yeah. fully suited. Yeah, yeah. Well, he just walks down there with architecture, walks home again, has a cup of coffee. Although, if I did, I, would, I, just, I just Googled the sci fi phantom um, show and looked at the armor suit, and it's pretty horrible. So I'd probably write that. And no one would want it whatsoever. <laughs> uh, Angus, what's your favourite thing about the phantom? Um, how he's purple. <laughs> you do look purple, yeah? Um, because not many of the other he- heroes, um, <coughs> are that kind of colour. It's a cool colour. I can't think of really any other colour. What's it? Ah. Oh. My son's favourite colour. Yeah, he stands out. Yeah. Yeah. Hulk's pants. So there's a lot of that. Yeah, it's just Hulk's pants. Yeah, he's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question for the panel I just left. Um, why? Why is it that Phantom fans are so insular that generally, and it was kind of alluded to earlier, and it's certainly been my um, life experience, Phantom fans are very rarely comic fans. They're Phantom fans and they don't bleed out into the medium. Batman fans will read other DC comics and they will sometimes jump to the Marvel and they'll read other things. Mm-hmm. Like people read Simpsons comics can go on to other things. If you travel comics, they might read old weird reprints and stuff. But as soon as people get Phantom, they're just like, why would I want to see anything else in sequential storytelling? What fuck a disease? I, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually asked, certainly this, not cure. I asked <laughs> this question of a fan once and they gave me the answer. Oh, you have an answer. This is great. Well, this is the answer they gave me. This is a very pious answer because once you find something perfect, you don't need to look any further. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I think it leaves more to be desired. Well, no, I'd love to hear it from the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and look, I'm guilty as charged. I don't read um, much, if any, DC, Marvel, anything else other than The Phantom. Um, I, I don't know entirely what the answer to that is. One other thought I had here, but didn't quite 
find the words to say it in the panel was that of course with the phantom we don't have those crossover characters so while a reader might start with a Superman story and then move on to other characters into the DC universe and someone might read Spider-Man and then move into other characters of the Marvel universe and then expand their reading and crossover from there. The Phantom has never really had the crossover characters from the King Features universe. And uh, while that's happened in some small ways, not to the extent that we've seen with those other franchises and businesses and so perhaps that's part of the reason why phantom fans tend to be uh, insular as ryan put it it's a, who in the it's, audience it's, would agree like who is a phantom fan who's like phantom is pretty much all i need it's quite a few wow. i think well, what about part okay, of, it? of the phantom fans in the audience do you read other comics as well hands up yeah, yeah you do but yeah mm-hmm. okay but not okay. so that's about 50 who doesn't 50. read comics at all here I think um, <laughs> part part of it, I think, is. <laughs> Did you think Billy Zane was going to be on the show? We have a question here from. Oh, just, just just to just to respond a little bit more to that, I think maybe part of it is how regularly Fru, for instance, put out. Um, Phantom Comics. It's once every two weeks and um, I don't know, as a working adult, I get a bit time poor and I haven't got time to read heaps and heaps of comics and once a fortnight's probably about as much, and, as, much as I can do. So. And price point also hasn't really changed it, No, it has a, even a standard Phantom now is $3.50 yeah. and so when you compare that to the seven ninety five and these sorts of prices that mm. uh, the regular comics... And for completists, I think having over... 1,800 issues of one series is enough to you know keep you tied up. That's exactly right. Yeah. And do you do you have a subscription or do you or do you get it from newspapers? Uh, I about two years ago started a subscription. Right. Yeah. Is yours the signature series? Subscription? Oh, I have both. You need a reading copy and a collecting copy. So. <laughs> do you find that the uh, do you like are you reading ones that you've read before because of reprints or the ones you get at uh, well, more completist, or yeah, I guess you do get completist, and you start to go. Well, if I've got seventeen hundred and ninety-three and seventeen hundred and ninety-five, I should have seventeen hundred and ninety-four as well, and keep that that set together. And there is, of course, a, a sense of pride if you've got from one thousand to current, or from nine hundred to current, and that sort of thing. But but I'll go back and reread the the old stories as well as they get reprinted, and and even those aren't happening very often anymore. Like um, since Glenn Ford and Renee White took over through that's uh, two two and a half years ago. They have reprinted very, very few um, stories. Um, they've got a, a particular replica. Just a, just a fruit. Oh, just a fruit, fruit. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the reprints, and I guess that's what like Jamie was talking about earlier, about changing their licence arrangement to... Uh, so rather than drop an issue and go, oh, I can't wait for the next issue to come out, and then be, ah, it's another reprint, mm. it's they're delegated to a reprint... Well, how would you call it? Replica series. A replica series, which yeah. comes out probably every once every couple of months. The yeah. the regular issue it's is like a, once every eight or something like yeah. that, or, or yeah. whatever it is. So you expect it, you know it, and you've got the new stories. And there are some people who will only buy those ones to, yeah. as well because oh, they yeah. only want the old stories, um, and they think that t- since 1960, the, the Phantom is not the same now. No, that's exactly right. This modern Phantom is not even to a point. <laughs> <laughs> Over on the right, we have a question from Joe. More of a statement, I guess, with some of the stuff you have been asking. I mean, I'm a fan and I'm very much a fan. I'm a fan and not anything else. And I guess for me growing up, when I grew up, coming from a minority group, I never really saw the black and white, like you said, and things like that. But for me, what the fan taught me was about morals and values because I came from a minority group where it wasn't accepted. So I had to kind of do things on my own. I had no one to talk to, but reading The Phantom taught me how to be a good person, I guess. That's what I took from it. So that's why I'm very tunnel vision with the Phantom. Because um, it's about being a good person. Absolutely. If you're a good person, he'll protect but you. But also the tolerance aspect and everything yeah. like that. It's all about uh, passing on the message, not just through that. It won't be punishment per se, but no. teach a lesson through it. was about if you did the wrong thing to other people, then he would punish you. But if you did the right thing, no matter how you identify, mm. he would look after you. Yeah. Mm. That's what I took out of it, yeah. especially as a young kid coming, growing up in that kind of environment. I was going to ask Joe, do you, do you have any particular storylines that you remember that sort of spoke that message out? Not particularly, I guess. I mean, the one story that I really like is The Phantom Goes to War because, you know, it was it seemed very advanced for the time and stuff and 
but um, he was just there trying to help whoever he could. Mm. Um, he kind of didn't... There's just, I don't know, just from reading all the different stories, mm. it never really, for me, had that aspect of black, what, black and white mm. and or if you came from one group or another. Mm. Yeah. There's, a, there's a whole bunch of storylines um, about the fandom helping people who are being bullied in particular, and those were the ones that I identified with as a kid. Uh, you know, uh, a... a, a uh, Conley, if I remember rightly, is, you know, was being picked on at school, bullied all the time, ended up going into the jungle crying. The Phantom found him, uh, took him in for a period of time and taught him a little bit of self-respect and, and resilience and um, toughened him up a bit as well, became jungle tough, and he went back into the school and um, you know, stood up to his bullies and that sort of thing. So the, the, the moral compass of the Phantom has really, always been really strong, and, it's some, and he's someone who does it because he wants to and because he promised to when he took an oath. And uh, not because he's suddenly got, you know, the ability to turn invisible or fly really fast or whatever, and so can do it or should do it for that reason, but he's done it just because it's the right thing to do. I actually wrote a book, I've written a book called Big Batman, The Unofficial Superheroes Guide to Overcoming Adversity. And what it's not out yet. Oh, available at all. Coming out, coming out soon. <laughs> but what that is all about is really that is looking to superheroes and what we can learn from them about resilience and getting through hard times. I find what you're, what you're saying in your story is really important. I think that sometimes if we if we don't have it in the real world, we'll look for look to our fictional characters for for guidance. And I, I think we've, in some ways we've, as young people, I, I certainly did that. No, I, in some ways we've all done that to go, these are the good guys. Like, I, can look, I can see who the good guys are in this. It may be my own experience, so I don't know who the good guys are. Okay, yeah, thank you for that. Mm. <coughs> a question in the back here. What is your name? What's your name, sir? Oh, my name's Greg, yeah. It's more... more statement, statement. Statement. Yeah. Yeah. Statement. 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 Yeah. We're all statement. We can take statement. it as a comment. Yeah. Okay. Getting back to the, um, the fruit publishing schedule, um, the way it's changed over the last few years, I actually find it frustrating because the ones that I always wanted to get and pick up were the ones that actually reprint the current daily script storyline. I mean, years ago, I used to get the newspaper every day, but I, honestly, I think newspapers are a waste of money. And, um, and But I, I thought to myself, well, I can give up the newspaper and through always do these larger sizes. Put them together as a copy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you, you can't get, get those anymore, so. I think I, that's also licensing, though. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's more hands-tied doing the best of what they've got. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it, it's a tough... They're a small publisher at the end of the day, and we don't have a massive population like they do in the States, and obviously, not just in the States, but they distribute worldwide, whereas we are limited, fruit, are limited to Australia and New Zealand. Mm. And that's a tiny drop in the pond. Like that's, they're, not, they're not sitting on a yacht somewhere, you know, kicking back, having my time. They're churning it out. The amount of times I've, I've had to hand in, uh, you know, something, drop it off, whatever. Eleven thirty at night. Glenn's still there, getting stuff ready for deadline. He's drawing covers as well as doing stuff, and you know, we farm it out. Do that sort of, but it, what I'm saying is, it's it's easy to sit back and go, oh, they used to do this, and I hate this because they've changed that. But I don't think a lot of it is their decision. It's just making the best of what they've been given, mm-hmm. and it's just something we have to roll with. You know, it's it's, it's just the current economy, and that's just. In terms of reprinting the, the newspaper strips, they do still do that, but it tends to be only the once a year. I think the last, probably the last couple of years, it's in the Christmas issue. Um, the issue that's come out just before Christmas oh, has been okay. about 100 pages long, and that's all of the dailies and Sundays from that year that have, that have finished to that point. Oh, so. yeah. I've got to admit, I've, I've managed to see a couple of the strips of the storyline that's just finished on really fascinated with that because mm. Heloise gets herself into a, mm. an awful situation and, you know, I, I actually want to read the whole thing and find out what's out. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really hopeful that that one comes out uh, for this Christmas and if I can just give our podcast a little plug, we will, <laughs> we've got an episode coming out Why tomorrow. Not, uh, we've got an episode coming out tomorrow which is uh, an interview with both Tony DePaul and Mike Manley um, uh, entirely about this story and it is a really, really seminal story in the continuity, I think. Um, so uh, search for Expand the Phantom podcast in your uh, iTunes or preferred uh, podcast provider and uh, you'll be able to find that from tomorrow. Um, we have a question here from Carla. Okay, it's not exclusively Phantom and it's for the ex-panel members as well. <laughs> the ex-panel members. But um, how did you get into doing the comic book artwork and 
who would be your ultimate one to work on? Like, Might be a good time for me to swap out. As you get into the comic book, I'll stay. There's going to be more questions. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Who writes for me? Yes, Angus. Angus, Angus, sit down. Yeah, you look good up there. Look at your throne, buddy. You're good. Yeah, your, your phantom is your phantom bling is just perfect. <laughs> yeah. Get the light to, to shut right. off the rain, man. Yeah, perfect. Um, um, sorry. So how did I get into it? Uh, so uh, I'll do the very very short version. Uh, so I was in school. I was born. Then I went to school. Um, I quit school very early. I became a childcare worker. I became a professional juggler. I ate fire and juggled arts on the streets for a long time. I did lots of youth musicals. I became a playwright. One of my plays was about a briefcase on Flinders Street Station in Melbourne, which came to represent terrorism, fear, etc. Um, that got turned into a comic. That comic about a briefcase on Flinders Street Station got me a job writing Star Wars. Cool. Makes perfect sense, right? I mean, it's just it's the age-old story. Also, a job like Colin Wilson. That's right, there's also drawn by a guy called Colin Wilson who's amazing. And man, he would rock a phantom. Um, oh, that he man, would. Actually, yeah, oh, good. Yeah, 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 I need a job for that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, no, 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 terrible too, mate. Uh, and yeah, and from Star Wars, it's then got into DC, and then Marvel contacted me because what I was doing at DC, and, and haven't stopped, and then TV shows, and the rest of it. Also, I think it talks about you kind of humble here. It's like, it's worked as well. It's unusual. Oh, no, no, no. It's very, very good. Very good. It's very, very good. It's worked very, very hard as well. So. Yes, I, I, I don't sleep a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just about working your butt off and, you know, being, making sure that you're as good as anything else out there. I mean, particularly living in Australia. Um, and I want to ask you a question, actually. You you said that Phantom is the thing that you identified with, that, 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 that it, it spoke to you, and I understand that completely because so many heroes did that for me. Have you ever gone to other comics? Oh, I probably glanced at a few. Yeah, that's um, okay. But I guess because I was so young, yeah. um, it was the boy who lived two doors down who got me into it. Yeah, um, totally. And he let me go and take five or six at a time, and I could read them, and then I could take them back and sort them. And, and you still read them every day? And he only had the Phantom. Well, I haven't oh. read them for a while because I've just moved into my new house. Yeah. Um, and I finally got my whole collection in one spot, so I have lots yeah. to catch up on. Because there's lots, because... I have my own room. Yeah, so. particularly representation-wise, I mean, there's so much, so many, particularly something, something like the X-Men, which you, you mentioned. I mean, the X-Men is an analogue for every minority, for the LGBTQ community. It, it's, it is, you know, if, if you ever get a chance to... Yeah. yeah. But I guess for me, the Phantom resonates with me more because he doesn't have superpowers. Yeah. So for me, I don't have superpowers. So yeah. how do I make sure that I'm still a good person and things like that? And it was just by making sure I'm good to other people. Yeah. I didn't have to have Fantastic. superpowers to be like that. Awesome. So it just had to be me. Yeah. I like this conversation we've had over two microphones over three feet. <laughs> 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 so intimate. <laughs> um, right. Moved on. Just very quickly, how did you get into uh, writing comics? I just rode and rode and rode along, like for years and years after I started teaching and locked down like an actual stable profession because, um, I don't know, that's what I, I believe would be the best path for me and it certainly worked out that way. And so I just ride at night and so I'll teach all day, I have a family and two kids and a wife, I spend time with them and then I go in the office, I've been doing it for over a decade and about five years ago I started self-publishing short things and coming to conventions and meeting editors and I went to the States a few times and met editors over there and then slowly made more and more comic pages appear in the world and it's slowly gotten paid more and more and had different opportunities and it's it's really just been about getting out there a little bit but practice before i self-published my first thing i wrote four novels i wrote about 60 different issues scripts of comics i wrote a bunch of other stuff and it was almost rubbish to be honest but it was in practice it was getting getting better and getting ready and, and fine-tuning what i would do so when i put out the first comic i was very confident that actually i went to um, at an Australian convention, you know, being an Australian writer, I wanted to know that Australian writers could make it, so I, I went to the Australian writer that I wanted to emulate, and I walked up to Tom's table, and I had a copy of my first comic, and I said, oh, I want to give it to you so you can so you can validate me. And he looked at me, and he said, oh, cool, is it any good? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, no, 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 is isn't actually any good. Is this part of the Yeah, part yeah, of yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, legitimately, yeah, no, I actually do. I believe it is well worth my time. And the next day, he sent me a message, he goes, oh, well, I read it, because you you actually said it was good. Because there's, there's some... I mean, Dean Rankin said once on a panel, there's some really rubbish lots of comments. I didn't use the word rubbish. No, I didn't use the word rubbish. No. Was it not Angus Brokerage? Yeah, no, Angus Brokerage. Exactly. 
<laughs> and it was just mostly just hard work and just sticking to it and also sadly not, not sleeping as much as I wanted to. Who would I want to see on the Phantom? I mean, beside Jamie Johnson, who's just amazing the Phantom. He's the order of the Phantom artist. Um, Bruce McCavage. Yeah! It's insane. He's like really good at the jungle. Um, uh, we've run out of time, otherwise they keep going down. I've uh, asked Dan how you got into comics and Angus how you got into comics too. Uh, <laughs> well, we don't, we don't have a long time. Right uh, lastly, uh, because we're running out of time, Angus, is there anyone in this whole room that you feel is like probably a bad guy? <laughs> That's good. Uh, everyone, it's, it's good you are not going to get punched by Angus and Skull Ring. Let's give a great big round of applause. To our current panelists, Jenny, and to Dean, and to Angus, and to Dan, and let's get another round of applause to our excellent panelists. <laughs> um, uh, come down and see them. Uh, there is another whole day as well, and have a great Super Saturday and a Super Sunday tomorrow. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you very much. All right, all right, folks, I hope you really enjoyed that uh, conversation. Uh, you will not have enjoyed it as much as I did because, uh, as, I, as I said at the start, the experience of getting up on stage and um, being on a, a convention panel was remarkable and completely unexpected and, and completely delightful. And once again, thanks to everybody for uh, allowing that to happen and uh, putting up with us being up there. I hope I didn't. I tried very hard not to be a Tommy Takeover, as I as I can sometimes be on the podcast. But uh, anyway, you can be the judge of that. Um, look, going forward, um, this I think is going to be released just before New Year's, and our next one in the summer series of podcasts is going to be just after New Year's. So I hope you have a happy New Year, and I, and I wish all the best of 2019 to you. Uh, speaking of the New Year, obviously we're about to say goodbye to 2018 and part of that uh, traditionally on Chronicle Chamber is for us to do a best of the year that has just passed um, which we have got plans to do and part of that is asking you to participate in a best of 2018 survey. Now uh, by the time you hear this, this absolutely should be on the website as I speak. It's not but I have plans to do that before I go to bed tonight so um, it, it will be on the website. Head across to chroniclechamber.com and just scroll through the uh, the latest news articles and you'll be able to find the best of 2018 survey. It's all about fru. Um, as we do here in Australia we know that Eggmont do their own surveys and that sort of thing and and we're we're in a position fortunately to be able to run that in conjunction with fru and so they are offering once again their fru crew badges to a couple of randomly selected participants in the the survey so get across there follow the links and go to the uh the google form the survey there and uh, choose your best or your favorite uh, fru covers for 2018 your favorite fru stories that were published in 2018 and uh who knows you may you may be the lucky recipient of a fruit crew badge or you may get a, a, a shout out in our best of 2018 podcast, which will, will come out about halfway through January. Um, looking forward to getting together with the fellas and recording that one. So halfway through January, again, that's about how long you've got to take advantage of the Christmas present that Chronicle Chamber have put up on their website for you, which of course is the sample bag, I suppose, if you like, of, uh, the Phantom Preservation Project or P3 with a few little items that you can get in there and have a look at what their p3 looks like if you're not already a patron and taking advantage of that so make sure that you get on there we're going to um, take that down about 15 16 somewhere there of january so uh, make sure that you jump on that if you have not already we hope that you do um i've already plugged it but chroniclechamber.com is the website that you need to be visiting to get all of your phantom news if you want to contact us if you've got any questions or comments or or ideally even if you've got a news story that you'd like to break or or something that you'd like to send us, chroniclechamber at gmail.com is the email for you. All of our social media, as we always say, uh, we're on Facebook at Chronicle Chamber, Chronicle Chamber Phantom Fan Page, um, and also the Phantom Collector group so look up for us there if you're on twitter we are at chronicle tweets and we are on instagram at chronicle chamber as always if you've enjoyed listening to this and you've arrived because you just want to listen to tom taylor or ryan Lindsay or dean rankin speak and this is how you found us or whatever or you're a supernova fan or you've liked what you've heard and um 
Who knows? Anyway, subscribe. Do it. Give us a, a positive uh, ratings on iTunes. Give us five stars. I understand that that helps. Jermaine tells me that that helps. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't understand the internet. All I know is if I sit here and talk to you, apparently you hear it. And uh, if you like it, give us five stars and um, that'll do good things for us somehow. And finally, just before we close, as we always do with uh, Sammy J's song, The Phantom, from his uh, show Hero Complex, should point out that he's got a new show touring in 2019 called Major Parties. If you've been watching the Thursday night uh, little clip, um, if you know anything about what Sammy J's been doing, playground politics, uh, government coach, all the rest of it, I think it's going to be hilarious. And I would really encourage every Phantom fan, anyone who's been a supporter of the podcast, you know how funny he is, you know what a Phantom fan he is. And um, if only to say thank you for letting him use our, his song on our podcast. Please get out and uh, buy yourself a ticket to Major Parties, which is touring, as I say. Go to, look, if you do a Google search for Sammy J Major Parties, you'll find uh, a way to get tickets to his show. Get along, support him, and at the end of the show, hang around, catch up with him, show him your skull ring, and say just a big thanks from yourself and from us for his support. We really appreciate it. I think it would be a... A sensational thing to do anyway um until next time folks thank you very much for listening and uh all the best for a happy new year happy phantoming 500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy Injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe That this man cannot die The Phantom The ghost who walks The Phantom Enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom He finds 